Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Good. Well, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 this morning. I appreciate that. I appreciate um, you uh, reaching out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we always like to start off by saying we know who you are, uh, but our audience might be new to you. Um, so if you were to kind of give that bio that's not on your website, the one you the one you wouldn't <laughs> give a publicist, uh, who, yeah, would no, say, right. who would you say you are? Ooh, that's a good damn. Really? We're going to start there? Oh, that's <laughs> good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I said, damn, hey, existential question. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? What are you made of? I love it. <laughs> um, wow, damn. Um, so I'll just uh, say, you know, I'm a, um, I am a black man from the north side of Flint, Michigan. Um, I. Goodness gracious. Everything's starting to flood. Now I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just had like a flashback like about the past 30 years of my life, just flash from my eyes. <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a black man from the north side of Flint, Michigan. Um, who really is a, just a, a lover of uh of, of beauty. Um, you know, from the the beauty we experience, you know, the everyday life, you know, I am a uh how can I say this without sounding cheesy? Um, like a purveyor of uh, the sublime beauties and horrors of life, you know, and I, I'm, I'm always um, enchanted by life every day. It, I never get used to it. This is, uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a very um, deep feeling person. Um, very, very deep feeling. So it's, um, some oftentimes, you know, kind of a, a challenge to hold all the the emotions and to hold all of the um, the, the things that I, I I kind of maybe um, how can I say this that I absorb, you know, from life and through life and through other people. You know, uh, I care deeply, literally, just about you know life um, and those living it and those who um, also are, are no longer here. People who never step foot in this, you know, I tell my students all the time, you know, I'm like, what are, like, what were the odds that you even made it on this planet? Right. Like, do you know the odds of even being here? So like, you know, that, that alone in itself is a, um, is a miracle. That's right. A big, that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, just, like I teach middle schoolers. I don't think they, I don't know that they're ready for that question. I know it is used. Cause it's like, it's literally astronomical. Like the, <laughs> the odds, of you being born is like one in a billion like <laughs> like one in some true it's really it, the numbers astronomical right so what so, you're saying is you are very lucky to be here today <laughs> yes yes very lucky very fortunate you know i don't uh, i'm really practicing you know just being grateful for you know everything every experience and practice being you know grateful for um goodness gracious you know just uh opportunities that you know just to get to experience you know all the fullness of life you know and and being um trying to be very present with the the things that that uh heal the things that hurt the things that you know um confuse me the things that teach me the things that you know 
um, and being able to kind of be a conduit for those, you know, and, and you know, pass it on, you know, and you know, spread the love and the energy. You know, I got these tattoos on my on my um my hands. Ah, more beauty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was you know I have I have like a thing with my hands. I, I, was, I had to get myself ones that told me to shut up. So I've got comma <laughs> period. Hey, hand tattoos. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh, I'm, I'm all covered. Tatted. Oh, you tatted. Oh man, I gotta catch yeah, up. Man. I love Palms it. Out, I love yeah. it. What's the, can you do that again? Stay that? true oh, and they true. I like. I am the straw. I know that's right. Look at that, right? Right, you know? Courtney. Courtney, my uh, my my co editor in chief over here at Poetry Question. Uh, my wife uh, always says that I am the straw that stirs the drink. When I walk into the room, I better know what energy I'm walking in with. Not like that. No, I like that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> wow, look at that. I love the. I love the secret. This is what I'm talking about right here. You know, yeah. like. You know, you couldn't plan that. You can't plan. No, no. <laughs> no, word, I mean, you know, everything word wise. I, I do have a, I do oh, have a, be, because I am an English teacher um, and yeah. a super nerdy English teacher. I did get the, ML, <laughs> the MLA format uh, and the Oxford comma over here. So <laughs> I, uh, oh know, no, that's <laughs> dope. You should take some photos. You have some photos of those. Like, oh, there's there's time. Oh yes. Yeah, I need. Yeah, I need to see some of those. I'm about to make sure. Yeah, follow. <laughs> but yeah. So then. So then tattoos, I'm assuming, because we, we like to talk about passions. So uh, you are obviously passionate about tattoos. Uh, yeah, I know you're passionate yeah. about music, uh, as I as I scroll through some SoundCloud samples. Oh, yeah. Um, what do uh, you think of them? Oh, I actually, I really love it. I, really? I do. I okay, really cause like, I, <laughs> I love I it. I started putting some of that stuff out. You know, I'm like sitting on like hordes and hordes of sound shit that I have never released. I'm so Gotta. such a perfectionist that like. I'm like, oh, I'm scared to put any of this stuff up. <laughs> see, I think, let's see, I was, because I only, I was introduced to your work not too long ago. Uh, you were doing a reading probably about a year ago. I want to say it was with Taylor uh, Bias. Um, yeah. And what, what I remember most is uh, virtual readings are hard because they're tricky to set they a are. mood. Um, but you, there was something about the way you lit up a cigarette and you use that but but what i'll say is from a viewer and the piece you were using is the smoke became a character that was needed for the poem in the room wow and it was they, a really it, and, and yeah, i remember my my wife and i both kind of said the same thing like all right i see the mood that's going on here and yeah. it was a really it was a really cool way to to like set the stage for for what can be kind of a dry i mean virtual readings can be Portuguese are trash most of the they're time. Hard. You know? They're really hard. <laughs> especially, especially when you know, like, you know, you know these poets on a stage. You know what they you know what they yeah. sound like, but it's so hard on Zoom to to get that to get that emotion you going. That. You're reading you into a into a green light. And that's yeah. that's hard. But I remember I remember you setting a, a cool mood and I knew there was something about the way that your poetry worked and the way mm -hmm. that kind of your style worked that was going to go along with that and i think i think now also knowing that there is this music side to you as well yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what what are you know what are those passions and how do you how do you fit them all into to the words that you put both on page and stage Ooh, you guys are easy on me are you you just no, yeah no. i love it no this is great this is great <laughs> i really love it you know it's actually also personally helpful so i'm gonna personally thank you much you know from my heart, <laughs> you know. See, because, you uh, thought you sounded cheesy earlier. I'll get you to cheesy later. It's okay. I'm I'm cheesy most of the time. <laughs> I like to say I'm so corny. I'm a fucking puppy, man. I'm a fucking. 
I am. I am, man. I got all this look at puppy videos all the time. <laughs> like, I up there like, oh my god. So, uh, we've, got a, we've got a 120 pound sheep a doodle over here. And oh, really? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, like so, I'm gonna tie this into the previous question you asked too, like who I am. So like, I this is one thing in my one experience in my life that really just colored and shaped my life forever and it fed into like who I am now and what I do and how I do it uh, so when I was nine years old um I had a situation where I was outed um after a uh, pretty traumatic experience with another kid kind of bringing like a sexual act to me for the first time I've never you know he was a couple years older than me and I, I didn't really know you know um anything too much you know and and so that happened and you know I was like, oh, God, this is what people do, right? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I, uh, I ended up replicating the behavior, and then that got told. And I never told happened to me first, or like where it came from, because it was like all in the neighborhood, right. stuff like that, you know? And for this to happen on the north side of Flint, it's not what you want. You know, you get picked on. I was pretty much outcasted, um, you know, as a kid. And so from there, I started just, you know, I was always by myself, you know? Nobody wanted to play with me. Nobody wanted to be my friend anymore. Um, and so just having that time to be by myself, you know, um, and just all I could really do was like read all the time, you know, watch stuff, use my imagination. I think that's really where my imagination was incubated, you know, um, you know, in, in like, a, I mean, just, just, just it was distilled like so, you know, so deeply and so, you know, intensely um, that, it, that it made me discover all these things that I, I loved, right, and that I could do alone. Um, and so, um, or, you know, cause I had to, I had no choice. So, you know, like, um, I was reading all the time. I've always loved like music, anything, any kind of art I was always into, always drawing stuff like that. Um, so <clears throat> when I started reading, I started writing these like murder mysteries when I was a little kid, I used to love like mysteries, you know, murder stuff, you know, Goosebumps was like my, you know, it was a great series, you know, it kind of, you know, everybody right. Ghost Rider, you know, like all that stuff, you know, it, it really just, you know, jumpstarted me. And I was like, um, and we also in Flint, um, the Flint journals and the local newspaper, you know, they had this section called the Wide Awake Club hmm. where they would publish writing from children. Oh, that's cool. And I want to be published in the Wide Awake Club so bad. That was my thing. Like, I want to get in the Wide Awake Club. And um, and I never got in there, though, but, I, you know, I always send stuff in. But that was the time I started to find all, all these past stuff like that, you know, and then um, around like fourth or fifth grade, I started, um, you know, they came in and like, hey, does anybody want to learn how to play an instrument? And I said, sure. <laughs> you know, they came to the class. I was like, yeah, sign me up. So I started, you know, um, I started uh, playing. Right, let me guess who's going to be, I was going to say, violin or clarinet, because it was yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I started playing the clarinet and I was a kid, you know, learning how to read music and stuff like that. Middle school, I went on the same thing, you know, I started getting my experiences with, you know, playing in the band and everything. Then um, high school, um, I wanted to be in the best band in the city, which was Flint Northern High School's marching band. That we all, everybody knew Flint had the, Flint Northern had the best band in the land. That was the song, right? <laughs> That's what we used to say. You know, we are the best band in the land, you know? So they wouldn't let boys play clarinet though. Um, yeah. You could not be a boy and play a clarinet in that band. You, you couldn't be, be a boy. You could be forced anymore. to learn that as your instrument in school, but you cannot yeah. play it. 
but you, so, yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, it was weird stuff. You know, there was some weird, like, you know. Oh, gender norms. Gender sexuality dynamics. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of coloring some of the stuff, shaping the stuff. So I, I had to switch to sax. Um, I started playing sax, you know, like um, when I first started high school, I taught myself how to play it. Um, and it wasn't too hard because, you know, the guy who um, invented the sax was a clarinetist, you know. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, so I started teaching myself how to play sax. And then, you know, um, Def Poetry Jam came along when I was in high school. And I was like, wow, you can do that. You can perform and poetry like this and do it. And it doesn't have to be all, you know, it's stuffy in the midnight hour and I'm drenching myself in the loneliness that you've left me on my nightstand. <laughs> you know, I'll like, toss that up on Twitter today and you'll get a million views. I know, right? I'm just coming. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, um, from from that isolation you know all these curiosities were born pretty much and then you know um i started taking myself seriously as you know a writer and um, i remember i was studying under carla harriman and you know first of all, I talked to myself, took myself seriously i was at a she invited me out to dinner after a poetry event and she said big we was at the sushi restaurant big long table full of poets anna marie hong was there still um uh sarah smarts uh um sarah williams a lot of people that i you know got to know and stuff who i just saw you know, perform. Laura Weatherington, I think, was there. Um, it was a big, and she, Carla Harriman, in front of the whole table, she she says to me, she points at me, she says, he's a poet. Nice. And Damn. I was like, well, I guess I'm a poet. I'm, I'm, I'm really a poet. And so I took it seriously, you know, but then um, I was going to Eastern Michigan University at the time, it was a great program. I started working with uh, Christine Hume, too, um, with sound poetry. She, I took a sound poetry class with her, and that's where the performance, the sound stuff, everything started kind of to congeal. And I'm like, wow, I can start to bring in the stuff that I'm interested in visually, you know, to that same place, the things that I'm interested in musically and uh, the, the poetry that I'm, you know, interested in. And, you know, it was a very experimental postmodern program. So it was all about how to find far out ways to, you know, demystify language and all this shit, you know? <laughs> and so, I started, you know, just trying to play around with it, you know, and um, I wrote, so Stereotype actually had a precursor. It was a prototype of Stereotype. Actually. Okay. <laughs> Called Sonic Mum. And it was where I was like, how can I write a piece that I know is going to have a sound component to it? And they complement each other, but they don't, um, they don't repeat or they don't, you know, kind of either repeat or compete with each other. They can compete actually a little bit, you know, um, you know, and then that's why I was getting to the whole stage versus page, you know, stuff. But it was, um, it was there, you know, like over the, I'll say between nine years old and, you know, about 24, 25, you know, um, that time span, it was all, you know, a process of figuring out, okay, how can I do this and create a practice, right? That would allow me to bring all these passions into, yeah, I'm super serious about tattoo, you know, like I, I'm not as, I'm not as, as up as you, you know, like, I only got a, I only, yeah, I got a, oh, I have so much faith <laughs> going on, but you know, tattooing, you know, um, you know, the movie Memento. Oh yes. That's pretty much how I feel about tattoos, you know, but that's what they should be. They are a reminder of where you've been and why you've been there. Yep. Like yep. tattoos, tattoos, even if you're the guy who just gets one, uh, you know, as a 14 year old, you know, gets one from a friend, like there's a story right. there. Exactly. There's exactly. some. There's a reason that you were there at that moment. You got it because of whatever, 
And as long as that story is something that you're comfortable with for the rest of your life. Right. You know, comfortable or really uncomfortable with. I don't know because this tattoo is the initial on my ex fiance. Oh, (laughs) gotta get that covered up. Yeah, I've got I've got a big big side piece that has a little a little tribute to my ex wife, and yeah, it's 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 hard, but they tell a story. I mean, it's where we've been. It's where we've been. Yeah, and this one on my wrist is a cover up. Um, I got a tattoo, uh, with my one um with one of my friends. You know, my former friend, uh, former best friend. You know, and then he started doing meth really bad, and he just didn't want any help. And I'm like, I we we bloodlet together. Mm-hmm. I'm very spiritual, you know. I take you know, I'm, I'm I take a very you know, it's a very spiritual ethereal kind of you know practice for me also. Right. So, um, also, that's where the work comes. You know, it's um it's a spiritual thing, um you know, moody moody thing, you know, too. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, no, I have to cover this up, you know, because you know we're we're bonded, you know, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, um, it's, so yeah, it was a way of protection too, um, a form of protection. So yeah, a lot of these, all my tattoos are spiritual, um, kind of a spiritual map, you know, also too, you know, just thinking about, you know, then my interior, you know, kind of uh, life, you know, my, my spiritual life and how I can try to map it and, and hit these points, you know, because most of them actually, you know, from Hinduism to, you know, um, uh, Yoruba, uh have some egyptian stuff uh on, yeah, on this side right here um you know so it's like bringing some of these things you know, kind of a syncretic everything i do is kind of very you know a secretism you know in a, in a sense you know yeah. trying to kind of bring things together um you know and, and create harmony through them and with them you know uh even with the dissonances um so yeah so that's how i try to bring even like my the passions of my the artwork too you know um Cause the sound shit, you know, I'm a, D, a DJ too and stuff, you know, and I'm like, so, you know, from Steve Rice, learning about Steve Rice, you know, and DJ Spooky, you know, we're learning about, you know, Tracy Morris, you know, through all this stuff. Um, I was able to, what's up y'all? I was able to um, learn how to learn how to create um, or learn how to build the sonic visual performative structures in such a way that, you know, really, I'm, I'm always trying to make uh, people feel something. Like, you have right, to feel right. something, right? Even if you don't know what you're feeling, <laughs> you know, like, which, you gotta, which honestly, and, in, in, you know, in, in the written word profession or the spoken word profession isn't the worst thing because it leaves people wondering what, what they should be feeling. And that's exactly. the reason people come back to it. Yep. Yep. That's what it's creating. It's creating the uncomfortable conversation. Yep. Exactly, exactly. That's why I use the N-word so much in my work, you know, like, um, you know, so now we all hopefully have to kind of, you know, kind of undulate through this, you know, um, through this experience of, you know, like, what is happening to people, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, when that word is expressed, Uh when it's said. You know when it's intimated and so yeah well it actually that's not the you're we can go from that to talking about protocol a little bit mm-hmm. like, yeah like, protocol yeah. Like, I, I just found out about this so i'm really curious because because you are trying to create those uncomfortable conversations oh yeah like, oh yeah if you're you know as my, we spent about 80 nights at the protests in portland and you know so we we saw those uncomfortable situations right. on a very right. regular basis or parts of those uncomfortable situations on a regular basis you know what 
where there's a pretty good through line between your poet, you know, your poetry and what you're mm -hmm. trying to do with protocol. And Thank you. Where do you want, what do you want people to get from that? Where do you want the conversation to be? You know, that's interesting. You know, I think, um, <clears throat> I think the, the, the baseline question that I think I want my work to provoke most time is what the hell do we do? <laughs> that, what the hell do we do about it? Yeah. You know, like, and hopefully, hopefully that those are the questions that come up anytime, you know, like people engage with like whatever, like the stuff that's in stereotype with the Flint water crisis or any of the stuff that, you know, that's in stereotype from just, you know, my experiences growing up in Flint with protocol, you know, um, with any of the new projects I'm starting to do, you know, it's like, what the hell do we do now? Right. We've documented this stuff. We, we, we've, we're researching it we're experiencing it right we're talking about it in these little pockets here and there but at the end of the day what the hell do we do what do we really do about this stuff right what what decisions do we make to, together in our social imaginaries right that can create a space or create a world um right where these things either don't happen or we have a a plan of action for when they do you mean conversations don't always, uh, you know, lead to change or conversations? Right, like, you know, conversations like... Conversations on their own aren't powerful enough oh, to actually... Yeah, exactly, right. Just talking about it is, is enough. <laughs> All I do is talk about it. Well, you know, like, oh, well, let's have a conversation about it. You know, like, yeah, we can, but then we have something has to, we have to do something. To after facilitate the something based exactly. on the conversation. That's the point of a conversation. <laughs> hey, but it's very passing. Whatever, we could just have that chat. No, right? Way. Like, oh, that was a nice talk. All right, let me go back to doing the same bullshit I was doing before. Right? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> well, I think but that's I think that's, probably, that's the whole. I mean, it's it's the foundation of what poetry was built on was to ask those questions of people, and to say, you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, don't make no sense at all. Yeah, and that's, then. Yeah what are the actions that have to come with that? What actually comes from the conversations? Definitely, uh, you know, it, it's, it doesn't always, uh, doesn't always yeah, it doesn't always, you know, you would, you would think you would hope. I think that's why, you know, like, and I appreciate what you said, because, you know, like, I, I don't want to just write poetry to, to, you know, to get published or to get awards or to, you know, or to be invited to places and you know, stuff like that. You know, you know, that is a part of a larger, um it's like social intervention that i dedicate my life to you know at the same time you know so it's like the activism work and the the artwork and the critical work the the you know um the theory work they all have to congeal right it has to you know theory and praxis yeah. it, that is and that's why i see poetry poetry to me is um a form of theory making mm. you know um and then now from that from the work from the poetry right now we have to engage in a form of praxis, right? And have to apply what it is that the perspectives we get from poetry or apply the, the, the intelligences we get from poetry um, and even the instruction that we get from poetry. Now, how do we apply that into our everyday life? Right. And what are what are the roadblocks? I mean, we, you know, a normal question on here is what are the pitfalls and roadblocks during the course of mm -hmm. your career? But like, what do you foresee as the roadblocks uh, that you know, and how do how do you overcome them uh, with your writing? How do we overcome them? I mean, what's your what's your hope there? Yeah, um, policy making. <clears throat> that's what it is. That's the that's the biggest roadblock, right? Because 
I can write a million poems, but if there if nothing changes on the books, if the if the law does not change, then the poems are just beautiful and that's it. Right. That's the only service that they offer. Right. Back in the day, you know, there's a it always has been a long lineage and a long history that it was the it was the 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 change makers in a society typically were artists, mm-hmm. right? And the artists would influence the politicians. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, when everything about, you know, from the formation of the republic, right? You know, they were reading, you know, poems, you know, po- they were reading, you know, philosophy and poetry, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. Greeks, yeah. you know, like they were, you know, and that became embedded into the fabric of American, you know, law um, in, 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 in the in American society. The idea was that, a, that a poet laureate used to, used yeah, to that's truly, what the that's truly what the mean poem. something and speak yeah. for the people. Exactly, you know? And so, um, and so I think in a, in a way, I kind of want some of that again, you know, like I feel like, you know, poets, artists, musicians, right, should, you know, like if we can kind of um, re-engender that uh, connection mm-hmm. between art making and policy making, right, then that's kind of, you know, that that kind of can get us around or get us to outflank some of the problems, right, of, you know, how people can then navigate, you know, the world. Yeah, right? and I, do, I think we're in a we're in a good spot for that. I mean, we see um, we see a lot of poets who have, you know, along with their poetry have also, you know, are starting to write news are starting to write, mm-hmm. you know, articles about what's actually going on yep. in current, you know, in, in the current generation in the current world. Yeah. And so I do think there is, you know, we are, uh, we, I feel like I've brought this up a few times over the last couple of interviews we've, I've done, mm-hmm. but um, I had a great talk with Donnie Rose about the mm-hmm. idea of, um, you know, the fact that there can be poetry inside critical pieces. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, sometimes it is like you were talking about the sonics and the sound creation, mm-hmm. sometimes putting together alliteration in the middle of something or something that's yeah. going to stop somebody for a moment to look at it is what's going to make them think. And that's exactly. kind of where that, you know, that those policy pieces come from those thought provoking, you know, moments and statements. Exactly. Yeah. And like the field of rhetoric, you know, where that's that's where all language falls into. Right. You know, uh, the language of poetry, you know, it's rhetorical. You know, the, the language of, you know, uh, of the law is rhetorical. Right. You know, like um, what we do, you know, in our everyday conversations, it's rhetorical. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and so when we think about, you know, like the, the rhetorical applications, you know, of poetry and how they typically are almost like, you know, like the, the rhetorical devices, right, that are found in poetry are also often found in other genres of writing, even, you know, if, whether those genres are contracts, right, or those genres are, you know, uh, city bylaws, you know, <laughs> you know, like, it's it's always there, you know, it's always present. And I do think it's, um, it's imperative that poets um, engage in other forms of, of, uh, of written genres, you know, um, like, you know, like po- more poets should know how to write a bill. Ooh. You know? I like that. I yeah. Like that a lot. Yeah. That's a we really should. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We should be, we should be having a conversation. More poets should know how to read and write contracts. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, we should, true statements. we should know that. You know, this, this weird kind of exclusionary thing that has happened, you know, with poets, writers, you know. And, and um, the, the the genre makers of of, uh, of other forms, right? Especially those forms that are legal and binding, right? You know, um, it, so I think you know, uh, 
the more that we see, and people are doing that, you know, you got, you got, you know, come on Felix, you know, who um, is one person uh, who has made the kind of intercession, right. Uh, you know, into, in, into politics, you know, Tongo Easton Martin, I came, you know, he right now he's occupying that, you know, that, that school in San Francisco right now, you know, Tongo is, Tongo is one of the ones, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, I always got to, you know, big up the Tongo. That's Tongo is one of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was a very very early early power of poetry when that poetry question first started he hopped on there oh really early yeah so i've been following him yeah. for quite a while he's truly amazing great yeah he's great dude you know um no but we have a lot of other folks I'm, pro I'm sure i'm probably missing some folks you know um uh but there are a lot of people who are who are trying to do that you know kind of work um but i think it takes a more concerted effort right um uh among the 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 poetry community um, to really engage in policy making and to engage in more, you know, kind of a community engagement. Um, that's redundant. I'm sorry. You know, like to um, to be to participate in more community engagement. Um, you know, kind of activities or you know, or demonstrations and things like so that. Yeah, right? really put your put yourself where your words are. You gotta put yourself where the word. You know, like yeah, the poem. Right. The, the poem can only do so much. You know, it can't do the work of a body. It cannot. No, you know? love it. As we uh, as we kind of shift gears here toward the toward the 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 finish line, who are uh, who are the poets out there, the writers out there that we should be, you know, that you're reading right now that are getting you excited? Um, and then uh, finally, where can we find uh, stereotypes and what is coming up for you? Um, the poets, um, Era Matthews, uh, number one. Era Matthews is is I mean just a brilliant thinker, a brilliant poet, brilliant performer, sound artist, you know, everything, you know, um, uh, she really inspires me a whole lot, um, inspires me a whole, whole lot. Um, you know, we talk, we, we talk um, about the, you know, the, the, the works that we're, we're, you know, completing now and stuff, you know, she's getting ready to publish a new book in the UK and then it'll be in America next year. Um, yeah, so Era Matthews definitely, I mean, can't get enough of Era. You know, I already mentioned Tango. Um, uh, one of my good friends, Nabila Lovelace, has this poem that I think is one of the best poems that I've ever read in the past. It reminded me of what a poem should do. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? All right. Um, I don't want to say too much because I, you know, I want you know Nabila to have that space, you know, to to for the work to go where it should right. go, right. and then we'll all uh, bear witness to it when it gets there. You know, um, but uh, that poem, yeah, yeah, that poem does what a poem should do, you know, and um, it's it's uh, been a guide for me also, you know, uh, let me think, um, who else am I? You know, I've been reading, I've been really just kind of going back to some of the, you know, some of the uh, unsung greats, you know, Bob Kaufman, I, Bob Kaufman, man, Bob Kaufman, special, special, special special i mean you know bob kaufman was i mean you know there's a lot of words people you know use you know with bob kaufman you know mad or you know this or that stuff like that bob kaufman had a lot of challenges of in his own life but damn it when bob kaufman wrote some shit on the page <laughs> you know it was some of the most lucid some of the most beautiful stuff you ever read or you ever heard in your life right and then i eyes um eyes cruelty I, you know was kind of like the 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 godparent of this project that I'm working on right now, okay. you know, um, sort of kind of blend in some of the questions, you know, like, uh, uh, 
what I'm kind of working on right now. I'm working on this. Uh, I'm working on three books at one time. I'm working on a poetry uh, manuscript. Uh, working on a nonfiction manuscript and a novel at the same time. Um, you know, I'm trying to get more. You know, just get more um, different uh, vehicles in my wheelhouse. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as you know how. I, Oh, I think, you know, some of these stories, some of these images, you know, might need to come out and, you know, um, so, and, you know, protocol is tentatively a part of that, you know, um, but uh, it's protocol probably is going to be its own collection too. So that's probably like a fourth, a fourth collection, you know, I'm, you know, I, you know, it, you can see, you know, it's a little like, busy, a little busy. When I have, yeah. When I have a lot of different shit that I like to do when I'm interested yeah. in, I, I'm just kind of like doing it all at what time here and there or whatever. Um, but uh but really mostly for me it's um it's trying to find those those stories that are inexplicable so you know like i'm this weird inexplicable journey with black ontology right now um going through some of the uh the legacies of slavery that my family have been impacted by um hold on bro let me i'm doing this interview right now you can clean up later thank you <clears throat> um but you know, so I'm trying to like, you know, make sure that I am considering and thinking about some of the legacies of slavery that have impacted my family and the, the, the journey that I've been, I'm being sent on um, is, I mean, I can't even explain it. I can't explain it. It's starting from when I was a kid to now as an adult, I'm being taken all these different places all around the world, you know, back to Africa, to the South, different places where, you know, formerly enslaved people were, were held and the things that I experienced, things that I feel there, going into that work the messages that i'm getting the emails like the random emails that i get from people like hey did you know that there was a group of mixings that started the rosewood massacre jesus right you know it's like so now i have to find a way to you know kind of incorporate some of that stuff you know um but the poetry manuscript that i'm kind of like deeply in right now is a promised threat um uh it is a <laughs> It's a weird one because you know it's um it's all about kind of exploring the the racial the racial implications of the subconscious um from like you know the, the recurring dreams that I have some of the premonitions that I get the omens some of the paranoia um the experiences of deja vu and what I've just learned is the opposite of deja vu is jamais vu um yeah so whereas deja vu is you know you come into a place that is foreign to you but it feels like you've been there before like you know you have a kind of familiarity with it jamais vu is the complete opposite where you're in a space where that should be familiar to you but you feel foreign Ooh, from it. interesting yeah so you know kind of thinking about what the racial dynamics or the racial implications on the subconscious right and how um and you know and how that stuff kind of you know manifest or how you know how it kind of you know um kind of concretes into these weird surrealist experiences you know both when you know both sleep and waking you know um and like that the threshold between the two um like that yeah it's it's throwing me for a loop because i'm like some moment like oh that's kind of cool that's what i'm like what the hell am i talking about (laughs) (laughs) but that's you know i think that's kind of you know i'm getting at something here just don't make no damn sense. But that's, you know, I think that's kind of the, the, what happens, right? When you start Absolutely. swimming in that in deep waters of the, subcon- of the subconscious, oh you know? My, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. All right, man. We got to wrap things up. But thank you so much cool. for hanging out. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I hope you got some enough. I know I'm kind of just all over oh, the place, like my work. Absolutely. Probably. No, this was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was this was an awesome conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, oh, yeah, appreciate you. I Thanks for reaching fo- out. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what's to come, and uh, we will definitely talk soon. All right. Thanks for talking. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.